On today's episode of Homo Superior. Extra, extra, read all about it. Calypso stars in News uh, Craven the Hunter. She was even in the, uh, I think, Spider-Man cartoon show. That's in the 90s? Why, yeah, that's okay. why I think I know her. Something about it. Something. Maybe we got a simultaneous extra, extra. Yeah. Right. Extra, extra, read all about it. We like ice cream. Well, Brent is gay, and Caitlin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Welcome to Homo Superior, where the sentence is secretly a scroll sentence. Issue 288, I'm Caitlin. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. This week, the first trailer for Craven is out, and it continues Sony's trend of either making groundbreaking, inspiring cinema, or the worst dog shit committed to a visual <laughs> medium. We'll let you listeners decide which this is. Do I hear wedding bells? Or is that an illusion created in my mind? Emma Frost and Tony Stark are getting married. Boom. And we thought we'd poll you about it in our weekly Polaris. Yay. Plus, some other stupid news. Uh, I don't know if we're actually going to talk about it. Uh, also, Secret <laughs> Invasion is here, and we disappear into the first episode, along with season whatever, episode whatever, <laughs> of our continuing run of Watch That X-Men Animated Show. Deadass. Uh, and as per usual, we'll close out with this week's X-Men issues and some more plugs for things you should be checking out. But first, housekeeping. We are off next week with a regular episode, but we'll have a creator crush of Jeremy Whitley coming out soon. Adam, do you want to give people like an idea about who Jeremy Whitley is? Yeah, so if you were listening to this podcast, but also read it yourself, uh, Love Unlimited, there, I forget the specific issue numbers, but he did an entire sequence for Gwenpool where um, she came out as Ace and Arrow. So. Uh, really great conversation around that topic. Um, obviously very timely, but he has also written uh, some Avengers issues, has written a lot of Wasp series, Nadia Pym as Wasp, and then um, also some of the Future Foundation power pack type storylines. So a really good uh, content. Oh, and The Dog Knight. He's got a lot of indie content as well, so we'll be covering some of those issues um, or those kind of uh, graphic novels, if you will. Um, and just seems like the coolest fucking guy. Like, so sweet. Email conversation has been great. Cannot wait to talk to him. So we'll be back with our regular episodes on July 8th. So in the meantime, have a happy 4th of July. Get some sun. Get some buns. Be sure to wear some sunscreen. Be sure We're off and you should wear get some off. bun screen. Thanks, Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, last bit of housekeeping. Thank you to everyone who saw who we saw at AwesomeCon Woo. on our panel on Sunday. Uh, and a big thank you to all the people who came out to our event at Trade uh, Saturday night. Uh, Casey Beyonce, Demanda Martini, uh, brought down the house with some incredible drag. Uh, thank you to Trade for letting us into your space. Thank you to Kaylin for taking all the time to DJ and not take other people's requests. Mm-hmm. Incredible! Whoop, whoop. Can I tell you the nicest request I got? Sure. Somebody requested my phone number. It was really sweet. And that number is eight zero one four four three. No, 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 no. That's my that's my social security number, <laughs> yeah. not my phone number. <laughs> um, yeah. So we did a panel about all the queer relationships in the X Men. I think we we had a, a decent attendance. A lot of people were very engaged. Uh, a decent attack. It was a very. It's hard. It's a the the rooms that these are in fill like two hundred, two hundred fifty people. Right. 
and sitting the room like I, the maximum occupancy yeah. was 629 i remember i looked at the door i was like what the fuck yeah <laughs> that's insane uh so we had a decent number of people and when they're like spread out across all these chairs i was counting the number of people over and over again <laughs> rain man just, style yeah just to make sure the number of people hadn't uh, changed but uh you know it was really fun talking to everyone uh adam kalen do you have any big takeaways favorite moments uh, things that you thought were particularly interesting. My favorite moment came after the panel. We were like kind of breaking down, ready to leave. Uh, a guy who was a dad. It was also Father's Day. Dad came up and he's like, "Look, I am the dad of a couple of teenagers, and you know they're somewhere on the queer spectrum. They're still trying to figure it out. And I brought one of them with me. Um, uh, she's female presenting. Uh, not sure how she identified." But apparently everything we were saying about queer relationships with the X-Men, platonic, romantic, everything in between the found family stuff uh, was just really resonating with her. And he said it just made her or they really happy and just he wanted to come and thank us. And it just kind of made my it kind of made my week. It was great. It was also perfect because they were the only like family that was there. And, you know, if you listen to this fucking podcast, we curse, we talk about fucking, we do all this stuff. And so to get that, I was like, "Uh oh, did we do something wrong?" This guy's gonna yeah. At one point, I go, "Wolverine and Storm, fuck, they fuck," and it with the emphasis, and like he was like, "Yeah, just like yeah, the good excitement." I mean, there was the two the two folks that were dressed like the uh, my death, uh, my flag means our flag means death. Oh, with the orange shirts. Yeah, the orange shirts, and like I I assume they were a couple, maybe not. They could have also been siblings. I don't know what the reference of that shirt means. So I'm just gonna assume the best of both worlds. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's the part of the, doing the panel that's so fun is obviously not hearing us talk cause we do that every fucking week, but seeing the energy live with people and the interactions and the, the reactions that people had, there was a woman named or a person named Keisha, uh, who had a great idea for how to bring the X-Men into the MCU. That's and right. There were just, it was, it's just fun to have that banter back and forth and realize we're all just giant nerds that love the same shit. And so it's always such a heartwarming. I mean, experience. do you want to share that idea? Cause I, I think it's worth it. Well, do, well, I would love for you to share it. Do you remember? No. Oh, <laughs> I just remember it being really good. On so the, the idea was that uh, mutants have always <laughs> mutants have always been around, but that Charles Xavier has been using Cerebro basically to make people forget that mutants exist. Yes, and uh, that immediately presents mutants as a world class threat because they are able to affect everyone's mind in that way. Yeah. No, that was, again, it was very good. I, did, I didn't, I didn't mean to call you out. No, I just way. forgot the specifics <laughs> of it. So I didn't want to like, fuck it, it was, up, a, that was a really good phenomenal one. idea. I think that I, I just really enjoyed the, you know, cause obviously when you're talking about any minority issue in comics, there's a lot of like negative, bad territory. There's a lot of difficult conversations to have about the nature of relationships and coming out, whatever, things like that. Uh, but the audience was extraordinarily responsive to just the fun and the stupidity of things. And yeah. I thought it's just a, it's always nice to be around fans of the same thing and find out that your, your sense of humor is not alone in thinking that a lot of this is ridiculous, but also still important. Um, one of my other favorite moments was actually on panel and it was Clark getting really frustrated that some other people were talking about, uh, Doug and Warlock and Bay, and he was like, "That's that was my example. That was my example." And it happened with Ryan, and then he got like 
really pissy and then you brought it and up and I he got r- extra again. pissy yeah. Yeah. and because Clark's not on right now I can make fun of him but I would also make fun of him if he wasn't on but also he said if he was on he had like eight other paragraphs of important things to say about them so that was a good one yeah. pro- where we're doing we'll be at FlameCon. we don't know the exact time and date yet but we're gonna be there doing our little x games. oh so that's gonna be fun if you're getting i can't wait all horned up over <laughs> right now you better come if you're just like jones in for a panel don't worry x a games or sex games panel? Yeah. yeah that'll happen in the hotel room afterwards <laughs> with other people I well guess. we will be playing a game show <laughs> none of us will be there <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll hire the stripper. game show is jeopardy we'll hire prostitutes for our hotel room all right let's move into the actual content preview review uh now we're talking about craven the hunters trailer uh, Quicksilver and Zeus, uh, sorry, I mean uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Russell Crowe, <laughs> light up the first trailer for Craven the Hunter, a.k.a. John Whiskers. Craven uh, oh gets his power from a radioactive lion and has the proportional strength of a man who is connected to the animals. Um, this trailer seems to know that Craven is supposed to be a villain, but you can't save the cat and kick the dog. It's confusing to do both. Is that a saying? Yeah, both of those are sayings in screenwriting. Save the cat means you got to do something to initially show your character is a hero. Okay. you got to do something kind. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about one of those in Secret Invasion. <laughs> yes. Kick the dog is a way of showing someone's instantly a villain. Doing something uh, immediately likable or immediately hateable. So this is a, a very apt turn of word, a phrase for this trailer. I, I would describe it as an asp turn of phrase. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, would you? Okay. Uh, I didn't realize Ryan Krull was here today. See, I also just got in another wordplay joke right there because an asp is another term for a snake. No, I got it. Anyways, I got it. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any updates? Because we've had mixed expectations about this would be do you have any updates about what you could possibly expect well, them to do with the character could they do something creative and unique or is it just going to be blah craven the hunter works only in the context of spider-man to me he's a great villain mm-hmm. um and when you do a movie about him without spider-man or like somebody in the arachnid world the spiders notwithstanding that are coming down on him which we'll talk about it's just a man it's just a movie about a superpowered hunter and it gets really dull. In well, the same way that Morbius is just a movie about somebody who turns himself into a vampire. And that clearly wasn't good. But, I mean... It was great. I think you're... <laughs> it's Morbius. You hit the nail on the head. And more importantly, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like a competently done middle-of-the-summer action movie that has no connection. Or, <laughs> I mean, at least trailer-cutting-wise. I'm like, okay, cool. It has all the same fucking beats you can expect from any stupid origin story that right. involves straight men jerking off about being masculine. Um, there's literally nothing in it that seems... That's our next preview, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that I would pay good money yeah. for. But it's, you know, it ha- hot woman, check. Uh, ultra violence, check. Hot uh, man. Yes, a daddy issues, check. Like, everything about this just screams 2000. Fashion, check. Russell Crowe Fashion. trying to do an accent, check. Oh, my God, him alone. I, I, could you believe, I mean, that, that's the kick the dog moment when he's like, your mother had to die because she had mental health Your mother issues. was weak. <laughs> she had to die. And you're like, where are you from? Oh, it's Count Nefario he's casting <laughs> for. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, the movie looks like it looks basic as fuck. There wasn't anything that was like I wasn't even laughably bad. It just looks boring. So I thought that the movie might be able to offer something beyond like having characters that you recognize in it because Morbius, all it has is really a name and a vague concept of what Morbius is supposed to be. 
this at least feels like, you know, John Wick or something like Fair. maybe it's a really fun action movie and there's some other appeal to it for audiences. I don't think it's going to be great. A lot of room to grow right. for a franchise, but maybe it's a maybe it's room for the larger industry to like look at superhero movies. Yeah, let's just let's just put a, a new skin clothing on a different type of movie and see if it works. The R rating certainly like kicked it up a notch in a good way in the sense I feel like when I was watching Morbius or even Venom trailers, A, they're all edited to feel exactly the same as like basic ass origin stories. But I will say, uh I do always like appreciate ultraviolence, especially in movies and shows that I'm not expecting. And so I mean some of the kills are probably too heavy on the CGI versus practical effect, but I was really surprised at how specific they showed like machetes through heads like bear this traps was on the heads. Red, i believe this was the red band trailer, exactly so. yeah so that at least i'm like okay this is going a little bit that's like the one thing that it's going to have a little bit different for it even though deadpool already did a lot of that there's just at least that part feels like okay that's a little bit fresh to they me had a for they had a scene where aaron taylor johnson is sitting in a guy's lap biting his nose off and they spit it into the camera and give you enough time to see how the no- the fake nose bounces around <laughs> the inside of the camera lens. Did we get it? Yeah, we yeah, got well, it. Oh, we got it. Don't worry. That's going to be the best scene in the movie mm-hmm. and they've already ruined it in the trailer. To your point about like, you know, movies like John Wick or, you know, Adam you mentioned Deadpool, the reason why these ultra-violent movies of the last few years have found an audience is because they're tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. and they are you know, Great not point. taking themselves super seriously. I mean, John Wick, you know, has had four movies. I mean, if you look at the Fast and the Fury movies, like people are in on the joke. You know, Ryan mentioned that as his plug last week about everyone, everyone but the main actors are in my joke. Correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you know, where you had Jason Momoa basically playing sort of a queer Joker esque villain, and it's like really camping it up, and or queer coded, I should say. Um, where like. Maybe this movie will be like absolutely hilarious, but except for the biting of the nose and spitting at the camera and letting it like bounce around the camera, everything in the trailer is played straight. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the movie is going to be played straight, which is going to make it extra, extra dull. So this is a what I think of as a Captain Planet villain. Uh what what, what? Oh, craven like sustainability like fight, yeah, yeah green, like, an eco warrior yeah like yeah. we got to protect but the animals. Hero and- yeah, but that's the thing. Like, that's what doesn't make sense. Because they're always the like poachers. Movie. You know, it's a weird balance. Just go with it, Kaylin. Stop, stop it. You're ruining my terrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, what, I'm ruining. What it. are Craven's actual powers, and where did they come from in the comics? Do you know? It's been retconned a few times. Uh, he but like, just a man, right? He's just a, just man. a man with he, like, a little for But that's the world's deadliest. Game, well, that was Adam. the whole like point. Like, yeah, right. Is he? A, he was a famous cheetah. Or is he known for his he's lion? Just, he's just a hunter. So uh, the whole point is like he's just somebody who... Um, so I'm taking a step back for a second. Uh, uh, Spider-Man always fought like villains that had different animal sort of things. Like you, sure. know, you had an octopus, you had a vulture, you had... Shark boy. You know, yeah. goblins. Goblin, they're real uh, animals, right? The cat people. Cat people. Ant lady. So <laughs> like Stanley and D- Steve Ditko, uh, or I should say Steve Ditko, Stan Lee, it wanted to introduce somebody who's a hunter, somebody who's hunting animals. Yeah. So he's just supposed to be a real person. What they have done is they've grafted Catman from DC's yeah. origin onto this movie. And I'm like, huh, to make it more like superhero-y, 
they've got to give him lion's blood and that makes him like they're just copying and pasting more like it's just so fucking horrible how stupid the concepts are right so we need a real original origin story for this guy he gets bit by a lion the lion has his blood in the lion's mouth and then the lion the lion's saliva transmits the feeling of you haven't seen that porn we all fucking know science brent (laughs) you're right sorry I didn't get a science degree either. So, <laughs> um, it also looks like Rhino will have a cameo. Uh, but uh, he, he fan favorite Rhino. He won't be in a mech suit. Is this a bad thing or the worst thing? Hashtag not my Rhino. Hashtag, Hashtag where's Paul so, <laughs> To me, like, all right, I kind of like the look that they've gone for, like this yeah. rocky skin. Yeah. The question is, will he have a horn on his head? He fucking better. Here's my origin for him. He's a Republican. But he's very socially liberal and fiscally moderate. He's a Republican in name only. I don't a get rhino. It. I don't get it. Do you think his uh, Republican name uh, only? A rhino. S- slow down. All right. <laughs> Do you think his penis goes up to the top of his head when he transforms? Just like a regular. I better fucking hope <laughs> Just so. Just like a regular rhino. <laughs> he's pretty horny. Um, are the are the rating spiders a reference to Spider Man? No, yes. I know they're. Just, yes, they're gonna make you a dumb cunt. They're gonna make a dumb joke about it. Uh, is, um, it is it Morbin time? <laughs> It is. Uh, can it, can we time. can we say one thing about? Is it Aaron Taylor Thomas, right? That's the actor's name. I think you're thinking of Anya Taylor Joy. <laughs> Anna, Anna, who yeah. would be the better Craven? And Anna. Anna. For <laughs> sure. Say that five times fast. Anna Taylor Joy versus Andrew Taylor Thomas. Aaron. His... Aaron Taylor <laughs> Johnson. A- Aaron Taylor Johnson. His voice in this is so flat, like it gives me nothing. You've got Russell Crowe hamming it up with his quasi-Russian Word, accent. I'm from somewhere. Your mother was weak. Weak. It's still better than, hey, I'm Craven. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm Craven. He does. His his voice is in a slightly higher pitch than I was uh, thinking that would be good for Craven. To me, as a character, he seems like he's gruff. Yeah. Australian-ish. He's fucking running up Craven the is a Russian guy. Yeah. He should have a Russian accent. Who is the femme fatale that's in it? I have no idea. Okay, so it's just like a probably a random. I just saw They'll that. be like, uh, it's Moonstone. They'll just name some fucking random. That's Moonstone. <laughs> Clark is going to riot. I swear to God. He will. Don't see that movie. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Extra, I, extra. Read all about it. Uh, Calypso. We, that's who that person is. <laughs> oh, right. It's, it's Calypso? Yeah. Oh, okay. Who's That's, Calypso? Calypso's a minor villain. Yeah. Minor character in like the Spider-Man-esque verse. Extra, extra, read all about it. Calypso stars in new Craven the Hunter. She was even in the, uh, I think, Spider-Man cartoon show. That's in the why, 90s? Yeah, that's okay. why I think I know her. Something about it. Something. Can we get a simultaneous extra, extra? Yeah. Extra, extra, read all about it. We like ice cream. <laughs> yeah. We really have got to get better at this. Oh Anyways, uh, you've probably heard the news by now. We're going to talk about it. We got a lot of, of, of uh, previews for uh, Fall of X, Hellfire Gala and Fall of X coming out. First of all, Emma Frost and Tony Stark are allegedly, allegedly getting married. And it would have been great to get this news when we were doing our panel about like relationships <laughs> in the X-Men because we could have dissected it right there in front of a live audience. But no, we found out a day later. A day late. So uh, obviously, this is a stupid idea, but it's done for a plot reason. There might be like, it could be a marriage of convenience. It could be, you know, uh, as we talked about on panel about like when you have sometimes marriages that come together in like medieval times mm-hmm. or even modern times of... A political you know, marriage. A political marriage, exactly. So that's that could happen. But we asked you all on Polaris on Twitter... 
Uh, you've seen the news about uh, <laughs> Emma's and Tony's up- upcoming nuptials. You could just say Emma and Tony's? Yeah. Sorry, go on. What did I say? You said Emma's and Tony's. He also said nuptials. <laughs> <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Nuptials, nuptials. bitch. Nuptials is so much better. No, it nuptials. is nuptials. You're right. Come on, nuptials. <laughs> Anyways, nuptials. While it may be a marriage of convenience or hoax or even an imaginary story, we all know that Emma can do better. So we asked you all, who should Emma marry? And the options we gave are Scott Summers, Boo. Kate Pride, huh? the ghost of Butterrum. Mm. And no one, she's Emma Frost. I wanted to yeah. say she's fucking Emma Frost, but I ran out of characters. Yeah. And I have no character. Uh, so let me ask y'all, who of these choices, what's the one that you would pick? Go ahead, Brent. I mean, I think we're in agreement. We can say it at the Ready? same time. No Emma one. Frost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we said the same one. Yeah. We said the same one. No one. Emma Frost. Emma Frost feels like a character that needs to violently dislike any social norm yeah. that she's supposed to follow. And to yeah. the extent that she follows any of them, it's because it's her choice or because she's got a longer form strategy about that, about subverting something. Yeah, I don't... I think as a character and both just generally as a person, it is... She should have romantic relationships. She could have long, even long-term relationships like Scott. I think the... Con- I love that. The concept of simply just being... Uh, I don't know. The marriage concept feels to me so archaic to and how normative for exactly her. how Emma would approach any of this. And I, I pray that this is actually a really well done, like orchestrated plot to get back at Orcus or something. Orchestrated. I love it. But um, that's the that's the only thing that'll work for me. If this has any, I know that they've been building these characters up. I know that it was um. It wasn't in Timeless. I think it was during uh, Null's like reign. They had like the kind of like fa- flash forward of someone seeing Tony and Emma's wedding. Oh yeah, and yeah, so yeah. you know all that. It's not like it's unsurprising that this is coming up. It all just feels very TV rushed. It feels like a bad celebrity wedding. You know, it's not going to last. So none of it really matters because they haven't even really created a relationship. So I'm, I'm I hope it's built completely around fuckery. They both know it. Everybody kind of knows it. You kind of see in some of the cover imagery that they put out besides the fact that fucking miss marvel's resurrected oh yeah <laughs> which you're not going to talk too much about but like polaris got her coffee cup like everyone looks Scott sort of looks despondent. like just yeah. unhappy as fuck so thinking about it it's a well do you want to talk more about the polaris first and then talk about like the actual let's do details the, let's do the polaris really quickly so y'all both said no one's she's i'm a frost i agree with you i don't think she should marry anybody so uh in last place was kate pride in second to last place was ghost of butter rum in second place, I love was that eleven percent of people <laughs> I, were I, like, "Fuck that ghost horse bitch." So, <laughs> someone, someone's Twitter account is the ghost of butter rum. Tweeted back at us like, "Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it was, that, that, I, I couldn't incredible, stop laughing." Incredible, thank you, ghost of butter. Yeah, so Scott Summers in second place, and overwhelmingly in first place with nearly sixty-two percent of the vote was no one. She's Emma Frost. I will say there was a lot of people. Who said the why is Kate Pride listed? It's really icky, which is a fair point. We talked about that on the panel, actually. We did we talk about it on the panel that, you know, uh when Emma and Kitty met, Kitty was just a child. She was 13, 14 years old. Emma was trying to recruit her in the Massachusetts Academy. Obviously, you know, we know what happened. It was the Massachusetts Academy if this was gonna play? <laughs> Snacksachusetts Academy. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible. But you know, Kate is now a full-fledged woman, as is Emma, so things can happen. It's not 
it's not great, but it is a little icky. It, I agree with weird. that. It's weird. It's really weird. It's hard, and I think it's hard for our brains to divorce because these characters have existed for so fucking long. And if they were on the timeline at which they would came out, dead. they'd all be like 60, 70 years old and we <laughs> yeah. would not be talking about this. Yeah. But it's just because different writers can place different characters in approximate ages, plus or minus nearly a decade. I mean, it becomes more uncomfortable, I think. Well, and the only thing I would say is we do talk a lot about Colossus and Kate being icky. So there should be no, there shouldn't be a double standard to why it would no, be No, okay. but th- that is a little different. They were already dating. When they, they were, were dating when Colossus was pr- likely over 18 or 18 and she was 13 or 14. Yeah, so they're like getting together, time skip, there's no power, there's no privilege. I'm like, when he met her in the animated series, which I know is not the comics, he seems like he's clearly like 25 or older. Oh, he's Kitty's not even in the cartoon. When he's Jubilee. Jubilee. Jubilee, yeah. uh, No, Brent actually meant Pride of the X-Men, so maybe you should check yourself. Actually, no, I didn't mean the animated series. I'm a dumb fuck. (laughs) (laughs) He's never seen Pride of the X-Men. What the fuck are you talking about? God damn it, Brent. Yeah, I know. I failed. Uh, But, uh, I mean, it's it's, it's it's a fair enough point, and it's just, you know, I wanted to pick somebody who would be same sex and Kate just made sense to me at the I, time. I actually think I support it. I think it's okay because it is a it is a part of canon that I'm willing to move out of my mind because I think that ultimately as time goes on, there are things you're going to have to compromise on because your characters do not exist on a time scale you do. Well, the main thing too is that that particular trope of like student teacher whatever has been so poorly managed in the past that i yeah. can, i understand why people's guards go up whereas in this scenario it'd probably be a very different one it's very clearly like er- dawson's creek fucking every teen show that's ever existed there's a constant like young you know a teacher student creepiness factor right. are like, we ready to have the uncomfortable conversation of wolverine dating anyone he is a 150-year-old man dating 25-year-olds. That is creepy. He is like a... That's a very good point. He yeah, is like a cel- Twilight all over again. Relative to the, him... Angel and a, Buffy? Yeah. He is that, a celestial. That, that is... Because like Buffy was in 10th grade when she and Angel started That's dating. Gross. That's so weird like, to even think when I watched that show like she was in 10th grade. We, we like to think we've got a certain level of sentience and cognance and... Every year that goes by, we find a new study that's like, actually, your brain isn't fully formed until you're like 25, 28 years old. My brain's not fully formed right now, bitch. So, Plus anyways. Drink. Yeah, uh, I can see it growing already. I, as a decision, though, yeah. I think that I, I agree with Adam about like it feeling rushed. I do. It, it's very clear how much they're trying to integrate Tony's story into the fall of X. Yeah. To me, it feels like a marriage further down into that story would make more sense mm-hmm. because we would be able to see the political reasons why such a marriage would be valuable yeah. compared to like the marriage of uh, Wilson Fisk and Typhoid. Typhoid. They've had one conversation on the beach on some fucking horses, and that's they're going to get married over that? I like, mean, in, in Indian culture, that's sometimes more uh, than yeah, like... Fair enough. So, I mean, it's pure-ass uh, like, uh, uh, arranged marriage. But if you want a political marriage, which I think is is fine to have as a story, it's... I need to know what the po- political stakes. We of need that the build up. Yeah, agreed. I wish this would have been a drop surprise later on, because then at least if they had built up some of the plot, if that happened, you'd be like, "Oh shit!" Like releasing this even before the Hellfire Gala's even started, it's sort of just like, 
I, I'm also very just exhausted with like wedding stories as like the reason, uh, you know, people should tune in. I think it's archaic and it's to your point, Adam, it's just su- super heteronormative, especially when it's, you know, uh, like a traditional man and woman right. who are getting married. It's like we've done it. Like we had Lois and Clark. We had Peter Parker, Mary Jane, you know, um, Batman and Ca- yeah, like Batman and Catwoman didn't happen. And they never worked out and they're all boring. There could be a fun way that it's done where if throughout the comic these two are just talking yeah. explicitly how right. cravenly they're behaving. Yeah. That like they're, they're oh craven. Oh, well, bring it back. Yeah, nice. If it's legitimately as crazy as Clark thinks it's going to be, then I'm like, if it's messy, messy, then I'll be enjoying. But it feels like this is going to be a weird. I don't. I think they're going to treat it semi seriously because it's also going to be during the course of this fall of X. So yeah. like, it can't be comedy intense. Apparently, Jerry Duggan left Twitter right before the announcement. He's like. Yeah, and for and for that reason, I'm out. Oh, like, shit. good for him. Yeah. Like, I'm sure because I mean, a lot of people, us included, were like, "What the fuck is yeah, this all yeah, about?" Yeah, yeah, good for him. And like, I even tweeted out, "Like, what is Marvel editorial doing? Like, they killed off Kamala Khan. They're marrying off Emma. It just feels very they're putting messy. dead Kamala Khan into the wedding. <laughs> yeah, she is the ultimate bridesmaid. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about Fall of X. We got a trailer, a very quick trailer on uh, social media." that shows kind of a, like an Orcas map of where everybody is. Like we had the X-Men in New York. We had the, the uh, Limbo Embassy. We got Alpha Flight, um, you know, and a few others. My biggest question is uh, nobody knows where Jean Grey is. So where do y'all world. think Jean where is? Where in the world you're sure is Jean Grey San Diego? Did they check the Limbussy? <laughs> the Limbussy? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm excited. I've really enjoyed where Jean has been going. So I, because the last time she had her own starring one, it was when she was young Jean, and that was okay, but it was fucking boring. Yeah, she was just training with people. We're running out of time for good explanations for the break between Scott and Jean, which we've besides ta- genocide, we've talked about it, but that was like a pretty. I like my reason on panel. It was like one fight yeah and over yeah. genocide but they didn't get to have the before and after con- yeah, i see what you're saying they, yeah. didn't, they didn't build it up enough it was just like a click more yeah, than like it's else. a perfectly good reason but yeah. it's weird to have that kind of snap yeah. the way it was done um i don't know where she is but the trades for it basically say um Jean is not having her own side story in an alternate universe something is wrong with where she is and it is something that's wrong with all where all of the other mutants are as well. Mm. I don't know what that means. It was, <laughs> they were all very poorly written. <laughs> Every huh. single little tagline that they had about that. I just want to go to Mykonos with Emma Frost. Uh, Mykonos? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's the it's disco. Mykonos, Wait, Mykonos, bitch. Sorry, did you book Mykonos or Mykonos? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, where are we going to like sunny Greece or are we going to cold... It, Ireland. <laughs> I once had a boss that was supposed to go to Portland, Oregon, and he booked a flight to Portland, Maine. Oh my god! Very different places. Oh my god! It's the same as like doing Grenada or Granada. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Grenadine and uh, Saint Vincent Grenadines. Uh, but yeah, no, the trailer looks he interesting. Did, he didn't I'm, know that I'm excited. He did not know what Saint Vincent Grenadines was. He doesn't know. What he, is that? Yeah. Shut up. It's it's a country in the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great place to have your nuptials. But enough news. <laughs> Let's talk some TV. All right, it's MCU Next TV, our weekly segment focused on the latest and greatest of the MCU Disney Plus TV shows. Can I just say that we actually have that? This I time. know. I'm so fucking excited. We have actual new content. Ooh, I can feel it in my straight bones. to your eyes and your earlobes. We've got the first episode of. S- <laughs> 
Somebody wrote fucking Secret Wars on this thing. Secret Invasion. Brain crawl. My God. And as always, our continuing coverage of X-Men the Animated Series, Secret Invasion Episode 1, Resurrection. Um, this The MCU and Disney Plus's new uh, TV show premiered this week, and it sees Nick Fury discovering that the Skrulls are back on Earth and attempting to start new Skrullos and led by a very hot young upstart that I want to fuck. I don't know. <laughs> That's what happened. Oh, uh, he's stuff. he is gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Gravic is his name. Yeah, you can gravic my butt. And okay. uh, well, and I will say that you know, well, I want to talk about how you felt about it, especially even coming back to Marvel Television because we haven't had that in a while. Um, I really loved the Game of Thrones ending. It felt very. <laughs> Uh, can we start at the beginning? No. Well, let's have a funeral for a phony. Everett K. Ross is Martin Freeman, and he is actually a scroll. How about that? No, no, he, he, this the scroll was trying to be Martin Freeman. Yeah, he hasn't been, he hasn't been a scroll the whole time. Yeah. No, that, that was the whole point. No, I don't think that. Ma- I, Ma- I, Ma- Everett Ross. The way if, I, I read it was not that the Everett Ross has always been a scroll. It's that there is a there was a scroll impersonating Everett Ross. I think Brent is right, but yours is much more exciting. Like that's what I was assuming because I know the a comic book version started with was Jessica Drew mm-hmm. dying Woman. and then turning out that she was a scroll. Yeah. It would be really boring if the entire thing was yeah, just Yeah, this episode is really boring. So I know. well let's talk about yeah, let's talk overall so the before first, we uh, jump into all the details. Oh, like give me overall, the hits on because I don't want to like go spot for spot recap on the scenes. Overall uh, um, the episode has so many elements to it that I think set up something that's very interesting and so many elements that make me worried that they will not pay off on the high value that they've got as a premise. So genre-wise, this is one of my favorites. I love Cloak and Dagger. I love espionage. I love like stuff in like Eastern European seedy little like, you know, back streets where everyone's wearing, you know, dark overcoats and hats and all that stuff. You are pre-sold on the concept. I am pre-sold. Oh, yeah, I mean, same. And then the trailers made me so excited. Um, obviously, great cast. Got glad to see Samuel Jackson back. Obviously, you know, Olivia Coleman fucking kills it. With all of those elements, you have to really, like, I think, elevate, like, the the material in general. And this, I was watching it last night, and I'm hoping I wasn't too tired but like everything fell flat for me with the exception of Olivia Coleman. Like I think Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn were sleepwalking through their roles. They're like, they, they, they have good chemistry as we saw in Captain Marvel from a few years ago. And there was a l- little bit of banter, the banter between Colby Smulders as agent uh, Maria Hill and, uh, and Nick Fury fell flat. It's, it's when Olivia Coleman's character, the MI6 agent, captures him and they have their back and forth. I was like, finally. That scene was impeccable. It was impeccable. And it was also, it was, again, it was like a visual cue because like the whole show is very gray yeah. scale or very gray and brown. Olivia Coleman's character is wearing red. Sonia Fallsworth. Sonia is wearing, it, she is literally and figuratively a pop of color uh, in this episode. And then everything surrounding that was just, ugh. She better be. What's, what's your what's your high level? I am a dissenting opinion. I enjoyed it. I'm more concerned that it was so much of a slow burn that you've got five episodes left. I mean, granted, that's still five more hours of television. Um, but 
I thought it would be a bit longer given how kind of slow the buildup was. I thought it was a good pilot episode in setting the stage. I think the last 10 minutes were very kind of going back to the Craven example, like surprising to me. I did not expect an MCU TV show to pull that kind of stuff so quickly and also be that um, specific in terms of damage. I don't think the death, like I was certainly taken aback by Maria Hill's seemingly death at the end of the episode. Right. Um, I, you know, it did feel fast and it did feel sad that they were killing off two different characters. And I also internalized that Martin Freeman um, as Everett Ross, that was the Everett Ross from Wakanda Forever, from you know whatever we've we've been seeing more recently. So that was really cool to me. Um, but I think the core construct, particularly around Gravik's you know uprising of like young insurrectionist type stuff, is interesting. But it doesn't carry the. I worry it's a about little flag smasherish. Yeah, yes. that's why I worry about the weight that it's going to make me really feel. Although I think the actor, um, what is it? It's like Ben. I forget his like full name. Uh, Kingsley Ben Adir. Adir Bell Adir. Yeah. yeah, he. I think he plays that role really well. I just I thought the whole final sequence was menacing, was great, was exciting. So that's the kind of stuff I'm holding on to, like the good parts of it. Whereas I agree, some of the chase sequences you could tell the budget's a little cheaper than having a full movie like they couldn't recreate the magic that the winter soldier had i think but it's it's still there for me i will say one other positive thing because i'm going to probably shit on this a little bit more as we talk about it is there's an element of there's an interesting element of nick fury being the shell of who he used to be yes and like the fact the blip affected him so much it like shook him to his core it shook his confidence. It took away all of his, half of his assets. Yeah. I mean, including himself, but like any of the things he knew were basically useless information by the time he came back. Five yeah. It is, it is, point. it is, a, it is absolutely, it is something I hope that he delve into a little bit more, but it's still not enough to hang the show on as, as part of my problem. I think that there's going to be a mistake in thinking that because you've got a covert spy drama that things need to be a slow burn and yeah. they do not agree you can have fast moving pieces the born People, identity showed us that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh you can have uh different interesting movements the thing that's interesting is the subterfuge not uh the the ways in which it's drawn out agreed i do think that i mean that to me that the plot seems to be start nuclear war because the scrolls can survive in radiation. Yeah. So if the planet is irradiated for humans, they could still thrive. I did like the also the fight scene with Talos fighting that other scroll. I don't know, the fucking guy that was given yeah. packages to Amelia Clark. I thought that was well it's like I see the right the good pieces. I hope the rest of the series picks up the good stuff and doesn't yeah. keep with some of the the less I mean, honestly the new scrollless Amelia Clark I think is doing decent i never she was like fine as daenerys but i think she's doing well she looks like gorgeous i'm like you're fucking amazing looking um but i really i worry how much they're going to keep grinding through talos and gaia's relationship i think it worked in this episode i really hope there's more development and them constantly meeting up to to complain about what they could have done should have done didn't do like i there's gonna be i worry I appreciate in some cases that it's only five episodes because there's only so much meat on these bones. Is it five or is it six? It's six total, but oh, we're already five one more. done. Yeah. And like Don Cheadle still needs to show up in some capacity. So I think there will be interesting things. I just hope it doesn't feel as so prefunctory because like I think there were some big moments here. They can't repeat those again. So I don't know what other kind of things they're going to be picking up to kind of make unique. Um, 
so the the trajectory of the Marvel shows, with the exception of WandaVision, is the first episode is usually incredibly strong, even when That's it's a fair. weak series. And so I'm worried that this was if this was the best foot they put forward, then the rest of the series is going to get weaker. I could be totally wrong, and maybe it is that true slow burn, and it just like we have an upward trajectory. But that doesn't seem the model that Disney Plus and Marvel has been doing. So I think it just gets worse from here on out. Other things that concern me are the the discussion about hey, are you out of your field? Are you out of your, you know, are you getting too old for this shit? I think they've already started to set the seeds to those. Yeah. But pretty clearly, it's like, yeah, never mess with Nick Fury, no matter, it's like, all right. So are you going to undercut, are you going to question the premise or not? The other one that starts to show up a bunch, I think is race and immigration. Mm -hmm. So there's a moment where Ben Mendelsohn, where Talos is saying to Nick Fury, you're going to step outside in Russia at 3 a.m., you know, yeah. for a walk. Yeah. On the one hand, it's crazy to walk at night when it's cold. On the other hand, it's crazier to walk in Russia at night as a black man. Yeah. And there was another moment where Nick Fury mentions the fact that he is an S-word, uh, yeah. which is an old slang term yeah. for yep. being yeah, a yeah. spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I can say that, but you can't say that. So clearly the show is thinking about that. But I'm worried that there's not any points to it other than to bring it up. Build around Because it. the central premise they've got going right now is that, yeah, by the way, allowing immigrants into your country is super dangerous because they're terrorists. These, that is, yeah. The scrolls are here to destroy things. And I just worry that they don't have a clear vision about the, the narr- a narrative arc that's useful for thinking about these types of issues. I mean, the whole thing about, like, Secret Invasion in general was it's a playoff invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is a playoff of Cold War paranoia in yes. the first place. And so, like them bringing it, like setting it in Russia is nesting sort of, dolls. Did you see the nesting ah. dolls? Yeah, it's very. I mean, setting it in Russia kind of plays off that a little bit. It's just, it's. I mean, I think it's a very smart observation on your part, Brent, uh, of like you know trying to have a point, but a point that really kind of goes nowhere, and then raising questions that are uncomfortable but never really like finding a way to like not necessarily resolve them, but at least, you know, acknowledge them a little bit more. Well, that's why it ties into me, just like you're saying, uh, Kelly, about the flag smasher conversation, because I mean, these people did sort of buy into Nick Fury and uh, Captain Marvel being like, yeah, we'll find you that planet boo-boo. And now it's like, you've got a bunch of young scrolls growing up saying, fuck you. Like, I think if you look at, I'm kind of annoyed that they're going off of like more of, I think you're right, that they're playing a lot on race, ethnicity, potential immigrant, potential racism, where a lot of it should be more focused, like the Flag Smasher conversation around classism. Because in reality, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 keep working or like, don't worry, like you guys are fine, like everything will work out for you. Yeah. And we'll just keep doing what we do because you're not making us think about it. Whereas now these people are like, that would be so much more interesting if, if part of the reason that, like, you know, Captain Marvel is trying to go out there and find planets, but Nick Fury is just on Earth trying to protect rich Earthlings who already have their homes and build up armies for himself. Right. And it's like there's a very clear difference in your level of interest and in whose problems you're trying to solve. Well, I mean, that's kind of always what he did when even when he was like and, you know, heading up S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a protector of the status quo, which is the protector of American style capitalism or so, Western style capitalism. So do you guys think Gravik is Nick Fury's son? Oh, where'd that come? Where'd that come? Yeah. I mean, they've made a point of specifically stating 
how he was. Fuck straws. Uh, how he I was. I remember all those times you were <laughs> fucking up in no, space. No, 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 Gravik. They were talking about Gravik. <laughs> that Gravik was abnormally upset about Nick Fury not helping out. Oh. And to me, that feels like a son mad at the father type arc, but. It did I seem thought that, oh, he was around. I thought he was around for Captain Marvel. Like, not. We didn't see the actor, obviously, but the character. Gravik. I thought was was around during that time. He was oh, part maybe. of that. He was part of like the the cell of like good scrolls, and he like sort of broke, quote unquote, broke bad. Uh, maybe maybe I'm mistaken. I I, I mean I could be wrong too. Um, can we talk a little bit about the opening credits because there's some controversy Please. around that. Yeah. So, uh, it's been revealed that uh, a portion or all of the opening credits are done by AI. I will right? just confirm real quick that he was only ever he's only in this. He's only so he this. wasn't. Yeah, I he, think they they I think they fed him retroactively that he was like on the part of the Marvel. Oh, that's yeah, what I meant. Captain. Like he was mentioned, oh, yeah, okay, not okay, not not okay. shown. So he he is older than that. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so still possibly Nick Fury's son because Nick Fury could have slept with a woman <laughs> who was a scroll. Thirty years later, bitch. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the opening credits. Uh, the controversy is is that. Um, a portion or all of them uh, are uh, illustrated by AI rather than by people, you know, either hand hand painting it or using computers to, to paint it. I think that's I think that is a very worrying uh, trajectory into the future. I will say from an aesthetic level, I think they are very strong opening credits. There's something like very them? I do. I like them very much. I, I wish I hadn't known that it was created because now I know that's my bias kicking in. But frankly, I just I thought they looked very I appreciate the concept, the blur. Yeah. But I thought they I thought it looked very amateur. Um, I, I so the art reminded me a lot of an artist by the name of Ben Templesmith. Who he's the one who like created or co-created. Uh, probably what it stole from. <laughs> uh, Thirty Days of Night. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 So like it's it's a little bit that style. It's a little bit of the askew uneasiness of um you know like some like alien invasion like some very secrety type shit. I think aesthetically it is a very beautiful choice, but it's still troubling that a portion, if not all of it, is done by AI. The aesthetic of a mid-century uh, type painting yeah where p- lines are drawn sharply but also there's an uneasiness about society about developments in technology i think all of the art it draws from is really great yeah. i i think it looks visually stunning i was disappointed by the actual intro music which felt Boring. kind of dull Bland. yeah um and i thematically kind of like the idea of using ai to create this stuff that it is what is human? What is the human part? What is the non-human part? Because it's same part of the essential question of like fighting uh, an unknown enemy. Yeah. However, you want that to be backed by the certainty that the artists who contributed to it got fully paid. Yeah. The reality is that AI is going to be animating a lot more in the future, yeah. and I'm fine with that. Animators are going to have to learn to work with it rather than you know, completely oppose it and shut it down. However, those artists should be paid for their work. And that's what it's going to come down to is do, I mean, that's literally really shitty timing during the fucking writer Writer strike. strike. Yeah. To that where the literal conversations is simply like, we don't give a shit. We can work with AI. We can do this. We can all grow and keep evolving to whatever we need to get paid for it and have distinct (coughs) contracts and requirements that allow us 
to actually receive what we're supposed to. So I agree with you that I'm like, I mean, I literally like use fucking chat GPT now to write emails to my company because it's like, it is easy, but you work with it. Not like, Oh, we're getting rid of you because we're doing this. And I know that's, it's just the op, the kind of, I, and I'm sure like when they were doing it, they probably didn't expect also so much blow up backlash to be part of the writer's strike, but it was like, Maybe like a last minute pivot. You, you, to could like tell, do you could tell the level of thought that was put into it when the director goes, oh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really know how this algorithm worked. I just thought you just enter in some stuff and stuff comes out. Yeah. It's like, man, you got to start caring about this stuff more. And maybe you're getting a little bit too much flack because you're one of the first to be extraordinarily public about it. But it is something you should be thinking about. Well, yeah. So the last thing I'll say about this is um, not about the credits, but the show creator, the showrunner, was explicitly told, don't read the Secret Invasion comic because these are two very different things. Uh, This is really kind of like a story about Fury and Talos, like kind of dealing, you know, being like old war dogs. Old buddy cop. A little bit like I'm getting too old for this, you know, kind of a kind of a like a buddy show kind of thing uh, versus the, um, you know, can you trust this hero or not? Are they who they they say they are? Uh, I wish we had more of that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but like we don't, the MCU, even though it's been around for doesn't have them, 15 years, it doesn't have enough of it for like, you know, when Secret Invasion came out, the MCU, or the, excuse me, the 616 had existed in some form or fashion for over 40 years. Because even the opening I thought was pretty, I mean, of course, that's because my brain was like a bit wired to be like, what's going on? Who's whatever. The opening I thought had a lot of good tense, like intensity of like, what's going to, how this is going to play out, what's going to happen. One more quick ornament to hang on the AI tree. Uh, As a part of the interview that uh, Samuel Jackson had where he had to defend um, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, from attacks from these incel weirdos, he also talked about how as a part of the contract for this show and many other projects, uh, he has to scrape out use of my my likeness mm-hmm. in perpetuity for any reasons whatsoever. Oh, it's horrifying. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I've been scratching that out of contracts since episode one of Star Wars. Uh so that reality. Wait, wait, say, say that again. What so does that like, mean? They say they put in contracts. We're gonna basically oh, every man, shot he's image. done. They in every different costume they scan him in entirety so that if he dies or something happens, they could replace him with CGI. Yeah. But they will put in the contracts. We are able to use your likeness in perpetuity. Oh wow! I mean, Joan is. I mean, if you've been watching Black Mirror, they have a lot. The most recent season has a lot of good. Or, or that episode of BoJack Horseman mm-hmm. where they scan BoJack's head. <laughs> oh right. Uh, they've been doing that to Samuel Jackson since episode one, The Phantom Menace. That's crazy. And so he's like, I just had to scratch that shit out to let them know, no, you can't do well, that. Well, the irony of that is uh, the artist Brian Hitch uh, drew Nick Fury like Samuel Jackson in the Ultimates in the early two thousands, right. which led. Uh, Samuel Jackson say, oh, that's really fucking cool. I want to play Nick Fury, <laughs> which led Kevin Feige to cast him as Nick Fury I think in Iron draw- Man, which created the MCU. Yeah. Boom, I- Samuel Jackson. Yeah, fuck you, Samuel Jackson. Caitlin, gotcha. Gotcha, bitch. Uh, let's be moving on to X-Men to animated series. Season four, episode seven, Secrets Not Long Buried. Looking to honor an old friend who created a mutant human utopia in the middle of fucking Skull Mesa. Cyclops flies directly into a literal western replete with gold mine, losing his powers and nearly his life at the hands of Sola. I want to hear 
Brent talk about this because that's a Western. This episode felt like it was for Wolverine, but they just decided <laughs> yeah, to put right? Scott in because he's so much more exciting. I don't know why I lo- they because you can't Scott, take but... away you can't take away Wolverine's claws. They could take away Cyclops. Yeah, eyes. that makes sense. Uh, it's like wa- watch me. Like oh, Scott has to find pre Scott. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stupid bitch. Um, I I thought it was like all right. This is this is a fine episode. It feels so. It feels like it's done so many times historically that they literally just took like an episode of Bonanza or something yeah. and threw different characters into it because there's not really, I mean, it's barely about mutants, I think. And if anything, it's just like a town of superpowered people fighting each other. Yeah. Uh, there's no contrast with the rest of society. There's no, like, like to the extent that there are like real issues, it's in Scott's past dealing with other bullies, but... This is the first like solo Scott episode I think ever. No, yeah. there was the orphanage. Oh goddamn! But they're it. all it. the same. They're his weird throwback, oh, like that's flashback. Right. I lives. forgot. I forgot they, how bad that and was. And then everything's always fucked up. They did not know what to do with this character. Uh, and it's so everybody who says I can't stand Scott Summers bases it on the animated series and not the comics. because yeah. in the comics, Scott throughout the years, and especially I would say in the last fifteen years, has become a much more well-rounded character. Yeah. Um. But, like, if you're just basing on the animation, yeah, I would hate Scott, too. He's fucking Dullsville. What are yeah. you doing? I told you my plane crashed, and you're telling me to stay put? I won't have this. <laughs> That's a great Professor X <laughs> well, impression. Well, it's time for me to go look in this town. <laughs> they, some guy almost hits him with a car, and then he, like, waves and he's like, whoa, buddy, you almost hit me with that. And then immediately jumps in that guy's car, no yeah. conversation. Uh, Scott's a serial killer. D- the only thing I kept thinking about the Dr. Tanaka is Boss Tanaka from Kill Bill. And there's no reference there, but I was just sort of like, <laughs> Boss Tanaka. Did you like the woman who speaks to the trees? Lady Gardner? <laughs> yeah. Her fucking name is Lady Gardner, my favorite. Excuse me. We had is, there, is, there, is there like a male character named Gardner? And she's like <laughs> the like, female version of it, Lady Gardner. So Tusk was big enough to have his own action like yeah. character back in the day. I, what the fuck was his whole I, thing? He just has a weird I, baby living in his I was yeah. fucking freaked out. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, we got to pause this episode. The baby came the out. Ter- That's his wife, actually. Uh, <laughs> discount Bowser is birthing a fucking little gremlin. Did someone pour water on him after midnight? Oh, my God. It is a very, very unsettling power. It was a buddy. weird choice of Toad to have slime instead of a tongue, don't you think? Yeah. Also, better, like better power, for sure. You want a long tongue? No, I don't want a long tongue. You want to just have slime ooze out of your body I whenever can, you want? I can have slime that like causes people to stick to walls rather than a tongue that only works referentially to where I'm standing. It causes people to stick to me. <laughs> what, about, what about all the things that you accidentally stick to <laughs> when you stick your tongue out? You're like trying to go to grab someone and then you collect like a, a trash can, a dog, and like, <laughs> some grass. Hey, uh, Adam, you've heard about Mad About You. How about Mad About Shoes? Hey, baby, give me a kiss. No tongue. <laughs> uh, and everyone remembers Chet Lambert, that weirdo that just kept turning invisible. Chet, Chet, <laughs> and Chet. I didn't Chet. have an actual name. Amazing. Uh, also, the, anim- the, the, the drawing of Watchdog was really weird because it didn't fit in with the rest of... Agreed. It, it's, like, it's like you came from a different cartoon... I thought it was a clever choice, but then recognized where the show was coming from. Uh, <laughs> that they're like, it was Watchdog, who's like this big, muscular, you know, 
a bowl weave, not bowl. He had like Michael bowl. Jackson's voice, but yeah, he had this. Just like, hey, it seems like there's a problem over here. Do you and like? like oh, it was Michael Jackson actually voicing him. Just but they the couldn't put the that Simpsons. in the credits. My favorite exactly. was his turn coding at the end, where he's like, I could see what was going on. And they didn't bother like tie him. They're like, no, fuck you. You changed sides. I was last like, whoa, second. Watchdog. What? And he's like, yeah, I just saw things weren't going my way, so I switched <laughs> positions. I'm like, God, you're a fucking phony, Watchdog. A real precursor to uh, what's the fucking Iraq. Mutant, um, not Kovac. No, gold, silver, red, and gold. She flips sides. What the fuck? Is oh, that? Uh, Iska. Iska the Iska, uh, yeah, Iska, Iska the unbeaten. Yeah. Iska the watchdog. Iska, Iska the, the watchdog. <laughs> hey, Get it her. seems like there's a plane coming in. Uh, and also a quick, uh, a quick shout out to Tommy Sunder, Mole, Ape, Random, Peeper, Arclight, Copycat, Slither, Forearm, Strobe, Andrew and Nicole, who I guess were the Crystal Kids. And then Suvik, Senyaka, and Daryl Tanaka. Four of those were real characters. Yeah. I know. They all just kind of say <laughs> Random did, being there is very fun. That fucker shows up everywhere. He's like, very random. I love how they repeat. all And that mole. All, that, so many Morlocks in this town for no reason. They're like, sure. Yeah, why there. not? Why not? They, well, I mean, in uh, in continuity, the Morlocks of all are relocated to Scottsdale, Arizona. So it this really is sense. pre-Scottsdale. They found a gold mine. <laughs> yeah, well, zero issues with that episode, but we've got a lot of issues. Our weekly recap of all things X. This week, we've got X-Force number 41, New Mutants Lethal Legion number four, Scarlet Witch Annual number one, and the finale of Betsy Braddock, Captain Breton number five. Let's start with Betsy, Teeny Howard, and Vasco Georgiev. Betsy leads strike on a stealth mission Ge- to Georgia. Georgiev. Sorry, what did I say? Noobshuls? You said noobshuls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a Lee strike on a You always <laughs> find a way out. <laughs> Old Slippery Adam, you can't pin him down. <laughs> Betsy Lee strike on a stealth mission to put an end to Morgan's meddling, establish trust back with the UK, and avoid an international incident with Latveria. This felt... I, I was surprised that this was the last... Because this, I forgot it was going to be the last. This felt like just the beginning. We talked a we've talked a lot about this series and just the different ways each issue has made us feel. It's been ups and downs and different parts we've really liked and other parts we felt like ah this is kind of stalling. Until we got to this issue, I kind of thought of that as all prologue because setting up the possibility of Latvian war with Europe. Uh. It, it, that seemed like, oh, th- how, here's how we got to this point. Now that they just kind of ended it super quickly, it feels like, well, there was a lot more moves that could have been done and ways that this could have been explored. And I think, I worry, like, did the editors know that they could have done more with this? Or uh, are they just trying to test to see if five issues would work? Uh, you know, so Knights of Ten was a retroactive I think five ish, issue miniseries, right? Mm. Like Teeny didn't realize that it was going to be cut short, so she had to like really wrap up her stuff. I thought with Captain Britain, okay, you got five issues to do what you want to do. Clearly, she wanted to explore Betsy and Rachel as a couple, do some more stuff with Morgana Le Fay, you know, do some cool shit with the Furies, and then it just sputtered out. And generally, like I was looking at the last page, and like, there's always something, and Captain Britain will return yeah. or. Excalibur will return or whatever. There's none of that. Yeah. So after four years of 30 some, some odd issues of Excalibur, five issues of Knights of Ten, five issues of Captain Britain, this is how it ends. And I'm like, I feel bad for Teeny a little bit, but mostly I feel bad for us because I was like, just, it was ended with a whimper, not a bang. 
I like I like your concept that if you were to thread all of these series together, it should um, really have ended with some sort of arc. And I, I probably because it was so start stop on what she would have available, what was approved, what was this, it's probably where that the sputtering came out. But I think the the fact that this entire since Excalibur has been about her taking on this mantle it, I, you're just a hundred percent correct that I, I enjoyed the five issue miniseries as a finale for Betsy finally coming into her own beyond the great relationship that I think they've cultivated with the two of them in these five issues. Betsy uh, and Rachel. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, Iskani, if you will. Um, Iskani. But I, I think that's, that's the only part that really stuck to me that I was like, Oh, you really nailed that landing. Everything else, I think, you're has, is right that it all felt very plug and play in the sense of like, what's that fucking s- the silver dog thing? What's it called? Happy go lucky. Rachel's. Um, oh, uh, 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 something not pretty baby, cute baby, <laughs> babe, something baby. Yeah. I read it. Yeah, but you know that's the, the s- like, shiny pet. Jamie coming back for a hot second. I just think there wasn't. I I think they were rushing to the climax because they're like, you're only gonna get five because we got to wrap up for Fall of X. But I do think, to your point, Kaylin, you knew you had this five, so don't waste it doing so much building up this, like, alternate universe, Betsy. Like, they did a lot on that front end that didn't pay out. Like, I just think, like, wasn't there all right, for me. so th- to me, it feels like a very smart move to have the Furies be the opposition that fights the, uh, the Doom bots. But if you're the Marvel editorial board and you're trying to decide... What do I include in the fall of X? To me, this seems like an extra excellent addition to an, an, uh, an array of complications that mutants are going to have to deal with. That all of a sudden the issues that Captain Britain is going through, they include Dr. Doom and Doom bots and you need some solution to that. It would have felt, I don't know, I like it when you're building this kind of colossal war yeah. and you've got tons of different confluent interests and there's going to require a huge number of teams to solve those that this feels like a wasted piece now. They needed to free up. I feel like they needed to free up because I, is it, are those just Morgan LaFay's people or that's Clan Akaba, right? Because Bruce, uh, Bruce Rowe or whatever. The yeah, they're, they're, they're linked. Yeah, so I sure. feel like they needed to take them off the chessboard. But to your point, if they just kept this Morgan Fury thing and more importantly, the fact that like, I appreciated that they shrunk them down but that like one fury, the entire Avengers has needed to take out one fury. I, it, the stakes were never fully there for me. I think they kept, cause it kept evolving and then she got doom and then she brought the cat. Like they could have, they should have started this from the beginning of what was going to happen. Cause if they introduced the, the Latvian war stuff in issue one, then it would have made the entire thing interesting because then it would have been subterfuge the whole time. Right. How, how could you build that out in different ways? Like, all right, so maybe they make an agreement with the Furies that, hey, you send like 10 of your guys to stop these Doom bots. Doom, his first attempt at attack has been foiled. Then he goes mad trying yeah. to figure out how to destroy the Furies and builds up this insane arsenal to fight them. There's so many different ways that this could escalate. Yeah. I, I just really want a book about like the machinations of Otherworld and like mm-hmm. how all the the various sort of like kingdoms, you know, kind of deal with almost like an immortal X-Men, but instead of each council member, yeah. like the the, the the realms are like each part of that. I, I just think there's something interesting to be told there. And Knights of 10 started dealing with that a little bit. It got cut short. And then 
the Captain Britain stuff, while had some like stuff that I really, really did like, it didn't, it didn't really scratch the itch that I wanted. Yeah, it's good character development, bad, bad narrative, I think, or just shortened mediocre narrative. Cram- narrative yeah, crammed yeah. in narrative. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't bad. No, it's, I agree. It just was I, like, huh, okay. It is. I will say, it's so fun to be at the, you know, at least end of Teenie's journey for now with these characters and have such a respect and very different i mean i always had a respect obviously for her as a person but like as a writer um it's just so fun to see where she did go and just go like kudos to you because excalibur was cramming all that shit in to get to ten of swords very and true. then when she does have time to breathe and it's also this was missing saturnine so that was a big problem for me yeah but like she does write characters really well and i can't wait to see what the uh, what she does next let's time hop X-Force number 41, Benjamin Percy and Paul Davidson. The ghost calendars continue with X-Force traveling thousands of years into the future to retroactively stop the next stage of future beast machinations, but are rescued by Bulldozer the Magnificent, a.k.a. Deadpool. So to refresh, they traveled further in the future and they are slowly working their way back through time. Yes. So the finale is going to take place a thousand years after when Beast started his operation. They are currently 6,000 years in the future. That's a clever conceit, I think. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, it's hard for me not to compare this to Benjamin Percy's other book, Wolverine, which we reviewed last week. And I'm just much more invested in wolverine right now which i thought i'd never say between mm. this and x-force uh because one this x-force has my favorite wolverine laura uh two i like kid omega as a character and i'm glad he's back um you know three i still want to see more around colossus and like kind of what you know is going on with him immortal kind of was it last week's immortal or uh, two weeks ago from immortal they kind of dealt with that a little bit and i think that was imperfect but it's just it's not as intriguing to me as what's happening in current day with Beast. Can you get to six? Six points. <laughs> you got to three. Four. No, no, no. Kalen doesn't monologue at all. How yeah. dare you? Four. Uh, I soliloquy. <laughs> You're not supposed to talk. Cerebrax or, or Cerebro and, and Kid Omega having a fight. Five. Uh, rocket. Rocket. Laser to the moon, six. So that I was trying to get a read on. The cere- you want to do this bit a little bit more? <laughs> uh, six, continue this bit so I can finish it. Yeah, Cerebro, Cerebrax, the whole Quentin Inquirer thing. What was So he did, dis, He got zapped by Cerebrax. Zap. They disappeared. They couldn't Zap. find him in Zap. the grid. And now he is waking up every day. I guess they're intertwined now. They're like one entity. They're the same. Uh, uh Genesis is Annihilation. Annihilation is Genesis. <laughs> um, yeah. Such a bad reference. <laughs> to Vicky and Kiana. I know. Talking swords. I know. Um, yeah, they've never really fully explained what happened other than that in their fight in order to destroy the Cerebrax, uh, Kid Omega in some way bonded like with it. Entwinement, yeah. I also think uh, I'm unfairly comparing this to Sins of Sinister too with like all the stuff it's in the future. It's not a bad point, yeah. And so it's, and Sins too of Sinister was a flawed storyline but had a lot of intriguing parts to it. This just falls flat compared to it. This is moving too fast for me because I know they, I think part three I assume will be the finale. I think the biggest problem I have is it feels a lot like that random venom sequence after it was so good where he went forward in time and oh, then dylan was yeah. the codex and then everyone was a venom oh and it was right just like the these future pl- like, i love alternate universes obviously age of x age of apocalypse is my favorite but 
what I what it needs is time to breathe. And even Sins of Sinister at least had nine issues. This is getting three. Like they're so rapidly pushing through this that like Omega Red having his entire half of his body melted off like doesn't matter. It's like a random passing. All the X books right now are treading water till we get to the Hellfire Gala. Yeah, the- all even like X Men Red and Immortal X Men, the two best still feel like okay come on what's the goddamn point i will say the alternate kind of perspective on hearing laura wolverine and colossus talk about beast transformation i thought was another good i think percy's doing a great job of continuing to reinforce like no you fucking idiots this is not dark beast this is who this person has always been. That was great. The limiter is taken off and having both perspectives, hearing from Beast himself, but also being able to have and have that other parallel conversation. Yeah. I think was really um, well done. That was great. I loved when it was a Colossus who was telling Domino that, you know, Domino, not Laura. Yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's not, you know, Magneto and Apocalypse didn't turn into white knights. Like yeah. this is maybe who he always was, which makes me really sad. I know. Let's get on to the Scarlet Witch Annual Number One. Steve Orlando and Carlos Nieto. Contest of Chaos kicks off with a bodacious Agatha Harkness paying her niece Wanda a visit to get at Cathan, who is trapped within the living Darkhold prison that is the Scarlet Witch. I thought this was one of the. I don't know why this is an annual, because I think it's one of the best annuals I've read so far. It literally just fits perfectly in as an issue, yeah. as a regular issue, yeah. Um, I think the back and forth between Agatha and Scarlet Witch was super fun. I, too, was tricked by their multiple levels of deception. Yeah. Uh, this was very enjoyable to me. It it's was very like enjoyable. a great short story. It's the reason why it's an annual is because Agatha's story continues in... Uh, Something else. Uh, Kicks off. Yeah, the Contest, contest of, of Chaos. Contest of Chaos. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, meanwhile, uh, if you look at the regular, like the next issue of Scarlet Witch, it's going to be about uh, Teddy and Billy. Every time uh, Agatha you, is for Fagathas. Every time you read mm-hmm. it, like where every time I, every page I flipped when they were fighting, I just kept going... That's chaos magic, Wanda. That's chaos magic, Wanda. <laughs> Do you know who you are? <laughs> and I killed uh, a little dog, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. A really good good job by Steve. I don't have too much to say. I love Darcy's professional development. I love that they were kind of establishing her as someone who's growing in her knowledge and becoming yep. a really interesting character. Having a weird inclusion of the tiniest brood eggs in the world. That's right. And Scarlet Witch absolutely destroying them. I thought was delightful. Yeah. What I really appreciate, so it's funny because I know my plug last week was JoJo, and I'll say this real quickly. Like it, The Scarlet Witch series reminds me a lot of JoJo's But Our Adventure because you have all these like heavy hitters, big characters showing up at... at Wanda's doorstep, things always seem back and forth, but then she's always kind of in control. And I think that happens a lot in Judges of Our Adventure. And I, I like that it doesn't feel fake. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, she's just so overpowered. Like, they go back and forth, they have great discussions, and then she's like, sorry, bitch, you thought, and you didn't. And, you know, it worked out. Uh, we, I mean, we've mentioned it before, but uh, you've got to, you should be reading this if for the art alone, it yes, is worth gorgeous. the price of admission. It is fantastic. I mean, okay, so. Steve Orlando must have, like, I don't know what he did, but he's gotten some of the most amazing art. So he's got uh, Sara Pacelli doing the regular work. He got Russell Dowderman to do a special yes. issue. Russell is a phenomenal artist. And then uh, Carlos, Ca- Nieto. Carlos Nieto, my God, just continuing uh, just the aesthetic, like, amazingness of this book. It's, it's amazing the level of continuity and style that the different artists have had. And also the extra flourishes they're putting in each issue. Right. It doesn't look like it looks consistent in the best way possible. 
Great. Wrapping up with New Mutants Lethal Legion number four, Charlie Jane Anders and Enid Balam. The penultimate issue of Lethal Legion sees Morgan and Escapade mending fences, Cerebella and Escapade processing trauma, an all-out war between the New Mutants and Nefaria's newest squad. What'd you think? Very entertaining. I'm still enjoying it. Brent, you're not feeling it. I'm shaking my head because I forgot to read it, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> trying to uh, trying to signal yeah. that you just you just shouldn't have said anything. I well, no, because I, if I didn't say anything, at some point you go, Brent, what do you think about that? No, we're running sure low on time, so I would have just. I I don't I I I meant to read it and I did. I Charlie Jane, it. you hear that? Your number one friend know, Brent didn't even read. Oh you like? I think I'm you so if you've sorry. liked if you like the previous three uh, issues, yeah, you'll love it. I think it's really well done. I loved. So Nefaria comes out of nowhere while Celebera and Swan are talking about, you know, what's going on between Cerebella and Escapade and just having Count Nefaria shooting ionic laser beams out of his head while also talking to them about how bad their friendship is or like how this isn't like a, this might be a toxic like friend. I just I That's love great. I love what Charlie Jane brings to it. It feels very great manga, very great anime where it's like high action, potential high stakes, but it's just fun the whole time. And it's and it's thoughtful enough that it doesn't feel ultra quippy it feels like really actually emotional and it feels very um, yeah authentic the, the saddest thing i uh, am about is like so there's one more issue and i don't think charlie jane's doing anything with the x office for yeah. at least the foreseeable future uh because i think she's done a pretty kick-ass job yeah i'd love to see more of her yeah all right oh do you hear that i hope you did because i've been practicing uh it's plug me daddy where we're wrapping up our Regular issues with a uh, recommendation we've got about something we've seen, heard, uh, you know, just something we wanted to share for you. And it's Pride Month, so let's keep it queer, y'all. Our little homos. So, Caitlin? Yeah. You, gay it up. So, this past weekend, as we mentioned at the start of this episode, we were at Awesome Con. Gay it up, Caitlin. <laughs> I'm, what, do you want me to use a lisp? What the fuck are you, what do you mean? You, however you want to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm being gay. Am I not being gay enough for you? Yeah. Anyway, so we were at Awesome Con this past weekend, as Brent mentioned, and we got to visit uh, Rage Gear Studios. They had a, a table there. Uh, we had also talked to them at FlameCon last year. They will also be at FlameCon this year. Their art is delightful. It's a lot of like Marvel, some DC, some Disney, and some, I would say, uh, not sexually explicit, but very sexy. Yes, like, very pinup. Very pinup. Pinup is a great way to say yeah. it. So I picked up uh, little images of... All of the X-Men from the Outback era, uh, and that's like the era uh, that brought me into the X-Men. So it's very, very nostalgic for me. And I got their little book, uh, Rage Gear Studios, Extober. Uh, uh, Extober, am I saying that right? That sounds right, right? <laughs> I mean, you could say however you yeah, want. That's sure. not a real word. I don't think it works, but it's, no. it's still Extober. Uh, but uh, the art's beautiful. They're really delightful to talk to and can't wait to see them at FlameCon. Nice. I also have a flame, not flame con. I have a awesome con shout out. So I did. Uh, if you looked at our Instagram at all, I did. No one else dressed up except for me, and I was berated hey, constantly. Hey, Queen Goose. Uh, mother, I was called. Yeah, I was called Queen Goose on the streets. I was dressed hey, as. Hey, who are you supposed to be, Queen Goose? I was dressed as a uh, nature girl, but her like more debilitating, like evil side that's been coming out since uh, X Men Green kind of premiered on X Men Unlimited. And, you know, people, there were people that were getting it, people that were enjoying it, but there was this absolutely wonderful uh, Marvel girl who, from like, 
I don't know, like 20 feet, was far away enough that like, she was just like, are you nature girl? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I fucking love your costume. And then, I mean, obviously she looked incredible, but so we had a good conversation. We took some photos and then just, I'm just giving a shout out to an amazing cosplayer that I think maybe lives in the area or maybe she was visiting, but it's Sarah Starshine. So Sarah with an H underscore starshine all one word with two r's we'll probably post it two r's show. and starshine yeah it's two stars and starshine she was just so nice and we've been chatting a little bit um i know she would have loved to come to our saturday night party but like uh just really fucking cool her jean grays are incredible she's yeah. done the marvel Girl costume the um morrison run costumes like just check the shit out she looks fantastic there's a i don't know there's like an element of like uh professionalism or expertise where you're like i'm gonna take the worst one, the one that people, the thing that people hate the most. Oh, you hate olives. All right. I'm going to make you love olives. And she took a Marvel girl costume and fucking slayed. It was the, perfect. The mask, the boots are iconic. The boots to the house down. She just, yeah, it was boots <laughs> to the house down, mama. I am Jean Grey. Mm. She fucking crushed it. Yep. Um, my plug is for a TV show that just came out on Disney+. Plus called Extraordinary Birder with uh, Christian Cooper. Uh, if you remember that name slightly, it might be because he was the victim of the uh, birder incident in Central Park. Are you saying murder or birder? Birder. Um, birder. I, yeah, okay. Uh, where a woman tried to call the police on him. That's right. Uh, for doing nothing uh, and... Uh, he recorded a video of it, and we all saw how she was just trying to use her whiteness as a way mm-hmm. of trying to silence the someone ultimate Karen. who was doing nothing wrong. Anyways, so he's also a Marvel Comics uh, a writer. Uh, he's also a gay man. After the incident, he created an organization called uh, Black Birder Week, I believe is the name of it. Um, which is an organization of black birders. But this show is him going around the world talking about fucking birds, which are incredible. He has so much passion for it. He's such a fucking nerd. Yeah. And it's great. It's adorable to watch someone. Nerd or excited. bird? <laughs> I am going to break your thumbs, Caleb. <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, like the guess, port, like the Puerto Rican parrot, which has a bite strength of forty five oh pounds per square inch. I will fucking break your thumbs. <laughs> but it's incredible. It's I think the thing that's really nice about it is that so many nature documentaries have British people who are yeah. very yeah. composed and serious and look at this and it's quiet. He's just very excited to talk about this stuff. So, uh, extraordinary birder. Uh, it's the worder with. Christian Cooper. God damn it, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't make I can't make puns on just the word bird. You can't make puns on many words, buddy. Yeah. God, I want to I just I can't wait for the episode that guest stars the Falcon. It's all about birds. We'll, we'll I mean call Sam Wilson. It. All right. Well, that was <laughs> that was our episode. <laughs> if you suffer from erectile dysfunction. <laughs> uh okay, that's been our episode. If you have the chance, recommend us to a friend. Uh or uh, review us anonymously on xvideos.com. Um, mm. uh, again, <laughs> we will be off for our regular episode next week, but we will have uh, a creator crush for you. Um, you can find us on Twitter at X, where you can you know vote in all the polls that we keep posting. Uh, or you can find us on Instagram at Podcast, where we'll have links to all of our accounts and all of our hot cosplay. Uh, you know, it's really steaming up on Instagram. Uh, that's it for us. 
Bye, little homos. Bye. Bye.